Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to Slam Fire Radio, episode 403 for May 6, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly Lynn. I'm another one of your hosts, Adriel. Hey, Adriel. Hey. How are you? Mm, could be better. Could be better. Could have more maple seeds like lined up for, for this month, but uh, yeah. but I don't. Nope. Not anymore. Nope. The government has quashed everything. Uh, we had the most cases in of all the provinces and states. And apparently, that's a bad thing. So yeah. they shut, they shut everything down. Not everything, some stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. guess what? welcome to the club because we're shut down too. But anyways, okay. When we get into the get into the show, um, what we did in guns, what we did in guns this week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, as Canada's premier firearms retailer. They have the uh, Chiapa uh, Spencer forty four forty. So he put this in here. Tell me about put it. that in there. It's a forty four forty. It's like this cool looking forty four forty. Let me uh, here. Let me share my screen and That's and I'll I'll show beautiful. people what this thing looks like. Is that the right screen? Yep. Cool. Yeah, Look at beautiful. that thing. Yeah. Got a neat rifle, the Spencer rifle. Yeah. Anyways, manually lever operated, tube magazine in the buttstock. Wow. Only three left in stock. And they had uh forty five seventy, I think, too. So if you don't like the forty four forty, if you want something with a, it's a little bit easier to get ammo for, they had some of those as well. Cool, awesome. Yeah. Two thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah it's a fancy. Or... It's it's not like uh you know something you're just gonna bang around and go hunting in the bush and for with a deer with, but uh, kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. Go contact the Calgary Shooting Center and go and tell them we sent you. Yeah. Why don't we do what we did in guns and we'll start with you? Uh, okay. So Saturday, Sunday, I did two maple seeds, um, yeah. which was Thank good. You. Yeah. We, uh, we had a limited uh, number of people who could go because we had a 10, a 10 person limit. And that 10 person limit is now a zero person limit. So uh, <laughs> couldn't do anything after, but I'm glad I got two in when, uh, uh, when we could. Yeah. So I listened to last week's show. And mm-hmm. we were saying, I'm getting ready to go out, and that's all that matters because I win basically over the, the conversation, <laughs> wasn't it? Uh-huh. I win over you, Kelly. We mm-hmm. get to start first. Uh-huh. Yeah. We'll yeah. see who finishes last. Remember how cold it is in November in Alberta? Yeah, there's, there's no maple seeds happening in November. Yeah, maybe in Ontario, though. Mm, yeah, not so much out here. I'll you know have to cram means? in a bunch in the summer. Kelly will win. Mm, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> how did the maple seeds go? Uh, really well. The, uh, weather was fine for like May is always risky in Alberta. (laughs) Sometimes it snows and, uh, it can be, you know, minus five, minus 10, uh, in May, but no, it was, it was great. And, uh, 10 Ds were great. 
ITs were solid. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good time. Both of them. It was like, I missed it and getting into it. It's like, oh yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is so good. This is so much it fun. Is and, so much fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm and uh, that was Did really you good. Qualify? Oh yeah, I requalified. So like uh, one yeah. thing that I think we talked about uh, instructors for Maple Seed, like full patched, have to requalify each year. Uh, uh, yeah. So I thought like, oh, well, I can't, I can't take the ITs to dinner afterwards uh, because there's, the, you can't right now. So maybe we'll, we'll like, if we've got some time left over and, and we're not totally worn out, let's do some rapid fire MQTs. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's what we did. We did some rapid fire MQTs afterwards and I thought like, oh, I'll squeeze in like requalifying in there too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was aiming for. And, and, uh, and, and to have some fun too, because I don't think any of them have, have maybe done the, the rapid fire MQTs and they're, they're, yeah. I like them because they're like, I, I like pressure and, and trying to, trying to do the whole thing top to bottom when in four minutes, um, uh, straight wanna... is, uh. Do you want to explain what an MQT is first? So people, there's a lot of people who probably haven't actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. So if you haven't shot a maple seed, a it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. It, that might be new to you. But um, uh, an MQT or maple seed qualifying target, or maple seed qualifying test is a is a target. It's got 250 possible points on it, and for your hits, you can make like five points or four points or three points or double that on on stage four. And uh, the idea is that um, if you get 210 points or above, you score. Rifleman, and uh, that's where you get like a patch and and uh, all this other kind of stuff with uh, with Project Maple Seed. So, um, as part of being a, an instructor, you got to repatch each year, and that's why I uh, wanted to shoot it in the rapid fire style because uh, I like I like going fast. Yeah. <laughs> I like to go I, fast. I actually don't, I don't mind in the rapid fire as well. It's just, yeah, I can qualify in either or, but. Um, if it's non-rapid fire, it takes mm -hmm. a long time. You get four mags and yes. you do the mag changes and all that. And, but with rapid fire, what we do is you load up or you prep four magazines and with 10 rounds each and you do each stage and you just crank go through. through. It and, yep. Yep. And you have yep. four minutes to do it. Lots of time. Lots, Lots of time. time. Yep. So do that with a bolt action. The last stage is actually five minutes. So that's only one stage. Whereas if you're doing rapid fire, it's four minutes for the whole entire thing. It's yeah. With a, fun. with a regular MQT, you've got nine minutes, give or take from, uh, from start to end, uh, to shoot the whole thing. So to shoot it in, uh, in four with no prep time in between your different stages, you just have to like go from one to the other. Your prep time is your low. It's all in there as well. I like yeah. it though. I like the pressure. I like you shooting like fast. Pressure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. What else? Um, yeah, so did the, did both of those. Uh, my uh, yeah, the Sherwood Park one. We had uh, five of the six uh, uh, attendees patch out on that one. There, that was, a, that was a really skilled group. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the instructor. The instruction was super high quality, and yeah, and they, 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 <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Anyways, good group. Good group. It, it my 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 theory falls down when <laughs> because the other one didn't get five people patched. I was just gonna uh, ask, how yeah. did the one on the yeah. Saturday go? It, yeah, it wasn't the same shit boss. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Must have been the instructors. I don't know. <laughs> no, your instructors were good. Yeah, they were. They were fantastic. Um, they were both really good. It was uh, it was good to get back into the swing of things. Um, 
And then I got my reg certificate for my Beretta 92S. Yeah. I got copies from like, I, like the government does not know what they're doing. I, they must have like reprinted a bunch of stuff because I got some, that out now. <laughs> some of the some of the stuff is like was printed on a regular paper. Some of it's on the fancy paper. Some of it was reprinted. Some of it wasn't. I don't know. Uh, I don't think they they know what they're doing. But anyways, I got my research. So I took that out shooting along with my NP22, and uh, I'm working on a video comparing the. P226 versus the 92, and that's part of it. Uh, let's see. And I'm trying a, I, I tried a Vortex Spitfire 3X Gen 1. Uh, so Tom, who's a listener of the show and Maple Seed instructor as well, he's like, hey, I saw you You reviewed the uh, Spitfire 1X. Do you want to review the 3X? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So he sent me one of those. And then I was talking to another guy, and he's like, I've got the 3X Gen 2. Do you want to try that out? And I said, Absolutely. So now I'm going to compare Gen 1 versus Gen 2 of the uh, the Vortex Spitfires, which should be pretty cool. Um, and then I got a package in from Bullseye. Bullseye North, they sent me some stuff to review, like uh, some MREs and that kind of thing. And they also sent me the cutest little Mosin. <laughs> it's so small. It's so... Here, let me uh, turn my background off. So yeah. it's, it's tiny and... Uh, well made like there's some parts of it like it's a it's a real wood walnut stock it's like the stock on it is really nice um i was like i was showing my kids like oh it's a toy i'm like no it's a gun it's a gun they're like no it's a toy like look how small it is like it fits me and all this kind of stuff it's like (laughs) it's a gun but you know it's uh, i'm glad it works for you but uh yeah really a really neat little uh little rifle adjustable rear sight uh front sights kind of like a uh oh what do you, what you call it? like a mosin site um mm-hmm. but like uh the company that makes these they also make the cricket rifle yes yeah. cricket rifle which is another like uh, uh youth style rifle right so this is kind of like a, a youth style rifle single shot uh that is uh if you want the rifle to look like another rifle if you want it to look like a mm-hmm. mosin it's super cute it's so it's small cute. and cute it's like two pounds it's so light you're gonna have kids <laughs> shoot it Correct. oh yeah oh yeah we're gonna yeah. go to the i think we're gonna go to the range this weekend so like we got some more more restrictions in alberta now but the range is still open so i'm gonna take the kids out to the range and we're gonna shoot this thing i think you just like throw the throw the shells in there and there's like a little ramp and you just pop it in there cock it every time kind of like an old cooey right yep. and uh and then we're off so yeah i think it'll be fun this will be hard cool. to shoot a maple seed with <laughs> single shots yeah yeah, that's kind of neat. And then I got a couple of SIG parts in the mail. Um, one of them was a, a cheapo SIG holster. So, like, the SIG's too they big. To... I thought they were coming from China. Yeah. Okay. Done. They're here. Uh, what do you think? Kind of rattly in there. They're really a great fit, eh? Mm-mm. Holds it, though. Yeah, and, I mean, it's easy enough easy enough to uh, to get on. Oh, yeah, the grips are... I thought they were going to come from China. They came from Turkey. Uh oh. They look nice. How's but... the texture? What's that? Texture is fine. Texture is okay. fine. Uh, that's not the problem, though. The problem what? is the thickness of it. It oh, adds so much. Look at that back now. It is oh, just okay. the thickest, chonkiest grip ever. If you have like massive hands, boy, fantastic deal. Yeah. Um, if you have dainty little hands like me, 
or even normal size hands. Like before I could, I could get to the, to the mag release. Now I have to break the grip too. like the whole thing with the SIG serious pistols is like, they're like, you can reach everything with your thumb. And now I have to like break my grip to, uh, to hit the mag Mm. release on this thing. So I'm probably going to put the, uh, what's that? What size gloves do you wear? Large, extra large. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it'd have to be an extra large, at least hand. You'd have to be big to to need. I'm these talking, grips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted. Yeah. I just needed to know how big the grips are. Yeah, they're they add yeah, quite a bit of thickness. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, maybe while you're on, I'll I'll throw one of my one of the plastic grips back on just so you can see the difference. But big mm-hmm. difference there. Um, the holster. So it's like it, it's like the surface style holster. Um, I don't mind it. The uh, the press you, when you press up here and you pull it straight back. Your finger is just right along the the uh, the slide there, so I think that's okay. I think that's all right. The actual like fit, I don't like how wiggly the two two six is in there. Like if I got one that's specific for a two two six, it should not wiggle, or it should have like some adjustment somewhere on there to take the wiggle out. Uh, but it does come out like really cleanly and go in. Like there's no resistance to this thing going in there. It just goes in and locks. So that's all nice. Uh, the back of the paddle has a bit of like a smooth texture to it, so it should uh, fit really nicely on the uh, on the old thigh. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Find out. I'll take it to the range too. I'm not going to okay. take it with those grips though, because those grips are stupid. But I'll take it with <laughs> something else. So, Adriel, uh, you going to sell them right away? Uh, the grips yeah. or the gun? I'm going to sell the grips with the gun. So whoever oh, okay. gets it, they're going to be able to pick whether they want to whether they want to use that or not. Uh, I went out and shot this 92s, and uh, I thought that the sights were going to be a big issue for me because the sights are terrible. Like, look at that fr- the front sight is there's like nothing there, and the yeah. rear sight nothing there either. It was fine. It was totally fine, and I actually really enjoyed uh, the double action at 50 yards on like a steel plate. Just because really? it was, it was actually like the double action on this thing. So, so smooth. Yeah. I'm empty here. Uh, and uh, the double action, like you just pull right through it and it's just a nice smooth pull as you go through it. Super easy to hit steel at long range with that, with that nice, long, smooth pull, uh, which is nice. I mean, like one of the cool things about buying like a, a surplus gun that would have been carried is that. I think I mentioned this on the show, but uh, every like every day, this thing gets loaded, decocked, popped into a holster. End of the day, unloaded, pull this, pull it out, decocked, put it away. So like the wear on it is real nice, and uh, it's nice and smooth. Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) Actually, I I accidentally rammed a two two six mag into this thing, and uh, and and it it ran just fine. It it retained it. It retained it just due to the fact that it was too big for the magwell, and I just rammed it home. (laughs) But it 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 fed the rounds just fine. It it was all fine. Just worked. Did it actually drop free? No, the magazine didn't drop free. I had to like rip it out of there because yeah. Cause like, well, I, I get used to like, uh, reloads under, um, under match conditions, which are like, ah, like get it in there kind of a thing. Right. And, yeah. uh, you can get a sick two, two, six mag in a Beretta 92. It's just kind of hard to get out afterwards and it doesn't lock back either. No, 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 that no. doesn't work. No. What else? Uh, I sold a 1022. Yeah. What the heck is going on with that? I got lots of 1022s. I had yeah. I had one that like was like extra, completely extra, and completely surplus to my needs, 
and okay. uh, a guy I know was like, "Ah, oh, man, I need to find a receiver and a, and a and a bolt, but I don't want a barrel. I got a barrel and a stock. I just need the rest of the stuff." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yep, yeah, got that guy in the mail. Uh, which is good. I need to I need to get more more guns out of my safe and uh, and make some more room for for new stuff. Um, I got uh. So one of the guys on Facebook was mentioning that uh, I think Al's Corner Store they carry like Carlson stuff. So you had them send me out some uh, some catalogs. Um, I think I like so they got like extension tubes and a bunch of sh- like shotgun specific stuff, a bunch of stuff that's kind of hard to find. And uh, yeah, the tubes are interesting because like there's some extension tubes that are hard to find. But then they also got like hard to find stuff like front uh, front sights and. Uh, they got some choke tubes for the Beretta that are kind of inexpensive. So I might order, like I've got that, uh, that uh, Browning A5 and okay. uh, the choke tubes are kind of hard to find for those. I kind of want, like there's, there's a style of choke. This is the, this is the wrong one, but I'll show it anyways. There's a style of choke that like goes beyond the edge of the barrel. And the advantage with those, you don't need a choke wrench. You just like twist them on by hand. Right. And uh, yeah. they're easy to change between stages at three gun, for example. So I might, uh, I might get some of those. Oh, you brought up three gun. Did I bring up three gun? Do you want me to keep no, bringing up three gun? <laughs> easy to change at three gun. What's going on with three gun? With the... Oh, they had to cancel their May match as well. Boo. Yeah, but it'll be a month. <laughs> okay. Or so. A month. Yeah. yeah. Something like okay. that. Anyways, yeah. I think I'm going to hit the range this weekend and shoot some 22s and eat some MREs with the kids because that's what they like. Okay. <laughs> the MREs, she- especially they love, they love the MREs. I love MREs. Yeah. Cool yeah. Yeah. How about you? I got something in the mail. Remember last time I was on, I wasn't on last week, but before I told you that I won something from uh, the Canadian Revival. Yes. So it came in the mail. It came from China and it got here in six days. Like, <laughs> so this, oh, did you see that? Yeah. It's the, yeah. Uh, the O-Light. And uh, so, yeah, so I put it on my Glock and I actually love it. It, uh, so let me, let me turn it off here. So it has both the halogen and it also has a red dot on it. Laser? You can switch it. Sorry? Laser? Laser? Yeah. Yeah. And you can actually, sorry, yeah, laser. Um, and or you can use both, or you can use one. And it is, it came, it came with a whole bunch of stuff. So I want to show this. So in the box, it comes with. Uh, so that's your charger there. It's a USB charger, and you just, it's magnetic, and you just flip it on, and it charged within an hour, which is great. It also comes with a Allen key and a bunch of other little shims and different things like that it's fitted already with four to fit a glock but they uh, sent some extra parts or different things if you have something else you want it mounted to then the instructions this is the best part i thought it was perfect for guys because it's actually pictures <laughs> i thought perfect <laughs> and it took me uh 30 seconds to install it on my my pistol it took me more time to get the pistol out of the pistol case than to actually install it and yeah it's super awesome like let me see Did it turn it off it's nice it's nice to so you should be able to use like just your right hand to turn it on or off yeah so yeah. it has 
you can actually do it on the, it's a side push basically. Mm -hmm. So it's actually where your, your thumb will be. So on and off, but underneath is where you can actually either turn on the uh, flashlight itself or you can actually turn on the laser. So I have it on both. All right. Anyways, cool. love it. So I wanted to say thank you to the guys over at CPRS. C why did I CPRS? CRPS. And also to Olight, who's the new sponsor for them. Without them, I wouldn't have gotten some really cool stuff. So I'm going to go and take it shooting when the range opens because it's not open now or still. Your the ranges are closed? Uh, yeah, our ranges are closed. Why? Like for Fair May, we cannot go to the range. Hmm. We haven't been able to go to the range for two weeks. Oh. We're closed until. So good. Yeah, we're closed till the week or the Friday before the long weekend. So, do you think they're opening? Mm, probably not. I don't know. Our, we'll ours are open. Yeah. Well, ours aren't. Thanks. Thanks for rubbing it in. Anyways, I think I'd, I'd go crazy if I like can't hang yeah, out with right. anyone, can't do anything, but I can't, I couldn't go to the like. All I've been doing over the winter is going to the range. Anyways. Yeah, well, no, we, no, we've had some of the ranges open some of the time, some of the ranges closed some of the time, and now it's every range is closed in Ontario right now, even the outdoor, because originally we had indoor just closed, outdoor now, too. Only like, like the, the out like the, the, the low risk stuff is the stuff they should leave because otherwise, like people get desperate to do anything and then they get doing some real dumb stuff. They should dumb leave stuff. the outdoor stuff because the outdoor stuff is low risk. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Tree in the backyard. Okay. Take, take, uh, a look, uh, take a look at the back of this and, and look at the difference between the oh wood and, and the wood and the, and the plastic grip on this uh, yeah. NP34. It's just too much. It's just way too much. Hey, can you do like a Dremel? No, because the, the, the SIG series, like look at the back of the grip and all the shit oh, okay. you'd have to do. Like, okay. and the thing is you like, as you take away the material, like this wood may not, may not work. It might not be structurally sound enough to, uh, to survive being that thin. So yeah. I think it's just, uh, I don't know. I'll just include it with the pistol when I sell it. It's a, uh... Yeah, it's grips for guys with big hands. That's what it is. I'll take pictures from the side only, and then I'll post that and I, when I sell yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do you have big hands? You know what that means. <laughs> you can you run this. You can run this sig. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so because the ranges have been closed, originally I was supposed to be taking my black batch course next weekend. That got canceled because of restrictions mm -hmm. so it's been rescheduled it's been finalized I got the email yesterday yesterday or day before that we are going to be holding it again uh it's been rescheduled for june 11th to the 13th so i am officially signed up again for black badge and hopefully we will be i think it'll go forward in june uh, june 11th that's pretty early in june mm, yeah i know but that's what they scheduled it for so it's such a it's such a tight walk, a tightrope trying to uh, figure out which like when to reopen stuff and when to like plan for things because boy, it's a yeah. pain in the ass to have to reschedule this stuff. And like some of the stuff is hard to like ranges, ranges like to schedule their stuff like at the start of the year, their whole year. And to to add in, yeah, but maybe we'll cancel a bunch of stuff because of COVID and you won't be able to do all the stuff you wanted to is is kind of painful. Yeah. 
I know. Totally understand. I, that's why actually my next thing is maple seed. Fuck it. Like, oh, I'm sorry. COVID. <laughs> um, so we had some events that were scheduled and we've had to reschedule them. So like, I don't know what to say. I just wanted to say to the people that have signed up for these events, we're trying to keep you in the loop. And obviously if it's been booked and if we are open, we will run it. If we're not, we will let you know. Not. <laughs> not send refund it's easy uh, if uh if we, if we can run it we will and if we can't we, we won't <laughs> yeah that's how yeah. it works i keep getting emails are we gonna do this i'm going it's scheduled for after so hopefully but if not we'll let you know yeah anyway uh the other thing that's happened is actually we've finalized uh so we had the deadline for the ccfr gunny girl calendar that was on april 30th and I just wanted you to know that we got bombarded this year. We got a lot last year, but we actually got triple the amount this year that we had last year. And last year we had a lot. Of so submissions uh, or of... submission? Hmm. Yes, yeah, submissions, not calendars. Uh, so one, I didn't see you, and two, I didn't see Dave. So I wanted to say thank you. And <laughs> uh, but we had so many. Uh, girls uh, that we actually we've gone through the list a little bit uh, but it took us a few hours to go through them just because we had so many people so it's um, uh, we're still doing some planning around that so we'll get in contact with people soon but it took a while and we had uh, Kelly and uh, well the, the basically the ladies from the women's committee we all met and we had a uh, couple of glasses of wine and went through the list. So it's really hard, hard decisions because we have some really fantastic people uh, applying. Well, not some, all of them are really fantastic. So anyways, that's it. That's all that I've done because our ranges aren't open. <laughs> Yay. Uh, upcoming events. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, upcoming events are sponsored by Tula Alpha. It's Canadian, uh, is a Canadian digital agency that works exclusively within the firearms vertical. They help with business processes, strategic planning, e-websites, e-commerce, and battling the stigma the industry carries with banks, merchant processors, and their social media. Right now, the social media is being... Well, right now, social media is what? Being asses about people that do gun things. Uh, yeah, they they have been for, <laughs> for a while. Well, yeah, I know. Uh, Gothic Wine Armory, I just saw on social media, on Facebook, that Facebook wouldn't let them post an ad about a course that they're having. So they, I don't know if I should say this, but they posted it as it was a, as if it was a job. They're looking for volunteers. <laughs> it was awesome. Way to work the system. There you go. Anyways, but yeah, so go check out tulisalpha.com. Um, Let's tell them we said hi. And there are no upcoming events because everything's canceled because of the Rona race, basically. It's True. done. True fact. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully things will be coming up soon. Want to talk about the news? You bet. Uh, right. This first one, I don't know how true it is because it's a Daily Mail, but uh, Nerf guns will now be registered as firearms in one Australian state because yeah, they yeah, look identical to a prohibited weapon. Sounds very uh, Canadian, but uh, yeah. Orange, red, and yellow. Yeah, um, you'll have to. South Australians may need to register some models of Nerf guns. 
guns as firearms because uh, they look the same, mm-hmm. even though they're Nerf and they're bright red and stuff. Yeah. The one they're showing is a Nerf Mega Big Shock model, and it looks nothing like any gun out there, other than stuff that's on like Stormship Troopers, Starship Troopers, Starship Troopers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently that's happening. Uh, so you know, that's that's more of the same for the Australians. They're probably used to how horrible things are going. Uh, this next one is kind of like more uh, of what we already knew but uh, the gun blog is reporting that the canadian military is picking the sig p320 as its new pistol um but there there is no official notice that they are more they're just like looking at the tech specs that are in there it's like oh it's a p320 and they notice that like all the tech specs in there were just like it's a p320 there's no glock there's no anything else in there their bid is basically just for the c22 modular pistol project it kind of makes sense the u.s is going to get the p320 it it would be nice to just not have something different just for the sake of being different um yeah the only other thing that might make sense is for us to get a a cz pistol just because they'll have local manufacturing very shortly maybe they'll make this sig p320 maybe they'll make a canadian one Hmm. probably not no probably not no. No. Anyways, no that's the thing. Yep. Uh, and then this, this next one here is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more worrying. But I think if like if you pay attention, you probably aren't surprised by this. But um, no. evidence shows that the Mounties kept at least a copy of the uh, gun registry. Uh, well, I think yeah. So people are actually been talking about it a lot. Uh, I know Ian put out a, a video on it recently, mm-hmm. but I think. When you really think about it, of course, there has been copies or they can actually backtrack it through registrations. They're, They're not supposed to have any, though. They, they, they know, were ordered but, to destroy them all. But those registrations are also linked to your to your firearms license. Uh, the old ones? Hmm. I don't think the old ones are. Like the old, old ones. Like if you bought like a, I don't know, like a Savage Axis, like before this uh, got overturned in mid 2000s or something like that, like that registration certificate and that for the fact that it got registered to you at some point in the past, that's not supposed to be something that's around anymore. They are. I know they are. They they were ordered not to have it. I mean, this 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 kind of comes back to um, they're probably going to get smacked on this eventually because it comes down to uh privacy legislation like you're not supposed to if if you look at gdpr and a lot of the uh, a lot of the directions of privacy that that uh that and the way it's going it's going in a you can only keep data for a certain period of time and beyond that you're just hoarding and if you're just hoarding data for the sake of it you're actually risking uh, you're, you're increasing the amount of risk for no reason. Because what good is it to have a registration certificate of a of a rifle that someone owned 10 years ago when they could have sold it like five times over since then, right? Yeah. So it's it's a it's definitely a privacy risk. Definitely something that um, I would love to see the RCMP or or one of these governmental uh, bodies uh, take some heat on because uh, they shouldn't have this data. They shouldn't have it anymore. It's not relevant. Um, it's not going to help anything but they're still hanging on to it and they still use it once in a while even though they were told not to and told to destroy all their copies mm-hmm. so hopefully they get nailed hopefully they get nailed. imagine if like 
imagine if like i don't know like uh, the government had like a registry of like uh track racers people who like raced motorcycles at tracks and at some point they're like hey we're not going to do this anymore we're just done with it and they just like kept it they were told like please destroy all this stuff where it's not relevant anymore it didn't help when we had it and they just kept it around like the outcry would be huge and yet here they they have like all this data on two million canadians that they shouldn't have anymore it's not relevant anymore these they we, they still know that we have pal licenses they still know at each of these person people yeah. may have yeah, yeah. firearms yeah. so it's not it's not helping any, anything they're all they could have bought like a hundred firearms since the registry was uh, the long gun registry was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about personal experience? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to talk about it. Yeah. So okay. it's, um, it's yeah, silly that they have it. They shouldn't have it. They should yeah. have a data policy that says if we have data, like if it's 10 years, if it's two years old, it's out of Chris. date. It's probably not useful anymore if you should like and and really uh they're not saving any time on any investigation work they st- if they're going to show up to someone's house and and uh raid them and and seize all their guns or whatever they're going to do they don't need to know which guns there are they they have to search the house or do whatever they're going to do anyways presuming they have a warrant and they've gone to court to, to get it and whatnot yeah okay yeah that's all i gotta say about that and that's all I have to say about that, right? Okay, let's talk about the CCFR Legal Fund Challenge donations. Uh, there wasn't any that they posted, so but they posted this one about Kent Cartridge, and I thought that we should actually talk about it. Mm-hmm. So from Kent Cartridge Canada, they said, today we were pleased to announce that we will be making a further donations to the CCFR's good work. $1 from the sales of every case of uh, Fast Steel 2.0 that we ship to our dealers between May 1st and September first of this year will be donated to them. Uh, Bastille uh, 2.0 is available at most retailers across Canada. So your support of our brand is uh, directly supporting the good folks at the CCFR. So $1 from every uh, case. That's awesome. Bastille is like real decently priced too. It's not super expensive. I've used that stuff for uh, goose hunting and it's cheap and they got like lots of their fast steel has like some decent stank to it. Which I like. Speaking, <laughs> I got I always I always want more power. More power. Oh, oh more power. <laughs> You're good at that. Outdated. Uh, outdated references. What? Outdated references. <laughs> those too. You're good at that too. All right. Do you want to talk about the CCFR legal challenge? You bet. Start the fundraiser, not the one that we just talked about. The Great Birch fundraiser? Yeah. Yeah. So if you want a chance to win a Gray Birch Solutions uh, limited edition SCLR, and it's limited edition because it's got the CCFR engraved into it, uh, go ahead and make a donation to the CCFR's Legal Challenge and then send us a photo of the donation. Hide your credit card details or whatever. We're not interested in that. We just want to know that you donated. Um, or visit our sponsor, DC uh, Armory, Armory DC Gunsmith, and make a donation there, and you will uh, get the chance to win uh, one of those receivers and make yourself a Gucci 1022. Yeah. I had my Gucci 1022 out on the line for the Maple Seed, and yeah. uh, a certain Ian might have ran my Gucci 1022, which has oh. no Ruger parts. Yeah, it's got the BX trigger. To- yeah. Yeah. I- 
talking yeah. to him afterwards and I said, he said, I have to get in touch with Adriel because I apparently have to buy a lot of parts for my gun. <laughs> <laughs> I spoil them with like the, the, the Gucci gun. So <laughs> yeah. how much is that gun anyways? Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> If I was to build that right now, how much would that cost? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little bit more Three, than like a standard yeah, Ruger. Two thousand dollar parts or two thousand parts on a four hundred fifty dollar Yeah, somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three thousand. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do the draw on May twenty seventh. Who do we have? Some people that donated. Yeah, we've got uh, Ted M, Calvin M. Kevin S and Bradley K who've all, uh, who've all made donations. They're all eligible now to, uh, to win one of those receivers, which was a couple yeah. of them. So you're not just fighting all over one. There's a couple. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to be talking about uh, new gun stuff and there. That's actually brought by uh, bolt action coffee. Uh, Sci-Fi radio is now brand ambassador for bolt action coffee. The cafe is roasted in small batches. And is actually some of the best coffee that you can buy right now, especially since it's uh, made in Canada and roasted in Canada. And the guys over at uh, Call Sign 66 are the owners of it. So just go over there and buy some. Go to boltactioncoffee.com and use the slime fire as your discount code. All right. Bring us up to the new stuff and guns there. All right, let me share out my screen here. Let's take a look. So the first one is uh, Spectre Ballistics have their C71 out. So there's a, a receiver for the 1022. They've also got a kit that comes with their aluminum chassis if you want such a thing. Um, or you can buy them separately. Uh, their C71, it's a 1022 receiver, integrated rail, and it takes the tough 22 mags. Uh, so those are the uh, extended magazines that you can get that uh, are yep. long boys. So... That's the thing. You can get those at uh, MagDump or Spectre Ballistics or something like that. Uh, the next one, more 1022 stuff. Rangeview Sports has, is, uh, has got a couple of different 1022 parts available there. They have uh, some Tandem Cross stuff, and they also have some Grey Birch stuff. So uh, yeah. they've got the Tandem Cross Victory Trigger, which is this cool flat face trigger. They've got the Advantage Charging Handle. The advantage there is that it's left side charging like all guns that have reciprocating charging handles should be. It costs a little bit to make that happen, but, you know, advantage. Uh, and then they've got the uh, the Grey Birch uh, Shrike bolt assembly and uh, LDR uh, receiver as well. Uh, I kind of want to get one of these Gucci bolts. I don't have a Gucci bolt. I've just yeah, got, the bolt. I've just got like a kid bolt, which is like pff, yeah. old, passe. I need yeah. the Shrike Gucci bolt. It's huge. What's huge? Charging handle. <laughs> yes, the charging handle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good. Just, just yeah. clarifying there. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> huge. All right. Uh, got some... solutions. Did you guys actually talk about they brought out their new? Uh, they brought out their new um, chassis last week. Do you guys talk? I about didn't that? talk about the foundation. No. No, let's bring that up because I want to talk about that. Or here's the foundation to... with a very yeah. odd-looking wood grip or whatever. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's a 1022 chassis. It's got a folding it, stock on it. It's badass. It is. You can do all kinds of cheek and weld adjustments, and you can, you know, adjust the length of the bull by. It's oh, awesome. Oh, look at that weird 
I know. Eh? Wood polished grip they got on there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, super lightweight folding uh, stock that you can get. I like that they didn't use the. Uh, what's that? And then put the, I need to get one. Put the barrel and the receiver on it. If you go down to the picture that's down on the bottom, that looks pretty badass. When you think about that, take that to the range. People are going, what is that? It's pretty spacey. Yeah. Pretty spacey looking. Like if I saw that on the range, I wouldn't know what the heck I was looking at. Yeah. It'd, you'd be the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the idea with the uh, adjustments on there. Like how thin that buttstock is. That's really cool. I wonder, does it have any information on there? Like how much it weighs or any of that information? Uh, Let's see. M-Lock and Arca compatible. What? Modular Mm -hmm. forend, magwell cutout, adjustable folding stock. Yep, yep, yep. There we go. Wait. 688 grams for the foundation. Like the pole is adjustable from 13 to 14.5 inches. Nope. Overall length, 25 to 26. Length folded, 16. That's a good fold there. That's because they're using a Picatinny uh, uh, connection at the at the buttstock. This is like yep. the way to grow. So if you, if you aren't running an AR and you don't have a buffer and a buffer tube and all that kind of thing, don't run a buffer tube. You run a pick rail at the back, and then you do one of these clamp-on deals because this is what they use in the states for um, certain uh, like pistols, like uh, uh, air-style pistols, but without the air buffer tube on them. Yeah. Uh, it's lighter, it's trimmer. You look out like how trim and slim this thing is. You'd never be yeah. able to do that with a buffer tube. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And w- why have a buffer tube if you don't run a buffer in a spring there, right? And this, I think they brought this out specifically so people can be to really be competitive in like the CRPS. And yeah, those CRPS other... because of the the lightweightness of it too. It's probably decent yeah, yeah. for uh, uh, like race guns and that kind of thing too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? and the folding. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah, the fact it folds, man, it'll get really, really small with that. I wonder where yeah, it locks. Mm. That's yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. And then the next one is Gotenda had a bunch of like Gersan stuff on sale. And I noticed a couple of guns I didn't know that Gersan made. So I've, I'm aware of the MC28 and the uh, Regard. The Regard is like their Beretta knockoff, um, yeah. which is actually pretty good. There's a buddy of mine that shoots a three gun at Chaz that uh, that ran one, for, one of those for the longest time. I got a whole bunch of other stuff here. So they've got like the uh, MC9T Extreme. So that's that's their their new nine millimeter. So their their MC twenty eight is their old one. Their MC nine is this newer one that's got like a kind of like a more uh, angly, spacey kind of a grip on it. Uh, and then a couple things that have been looks to be improved. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, they cost a little bit more than the MC twenty eight, but maybe the price will go down. And then uh, they've also got a bunch of the regards it looks like their regard is being renamed to the mcr9 um but their regards are still like decently priced there's some regards for like 440. this is like i was thinking like if you wanted to a a brenna 92 style action um the 92s's are okay at 400 but i i think the regard might be a better overall gun for $40 more because you get like a, a proper mag release and you get like so, some more of that stuff going on with this one. 
rather than that stupid heel release. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You were talking about it. I think you were talking, not, I think you were talking about it. You were talking about it last week. You said, just go for the croissant. Yeah. But they got like 1911s. I didn't know that they had like 1911 style pistols. I don't know if I'd be like into that because for, you know, for like $600, you're getting a, I'd, I'd imagine this is like a mediocre, like a middling 1911. It's not going to be the best out, stuff out there. So yeah, but I, if you're in, if you're searching for something and you want something that's entry level and cheap, well, the Norinkos are cheaper though. Yeah, you, you can get into a Norinko for quite a bit less than that. Maybe if you want to get like something that's not like not Chinese, if you're trying not to buy Chinese stuff, then maybe that's the way to go. Anyways, that's stuff I found that was new in guns this week. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. So let's get into the main topic. So for tonight's main topic, we have Damian Pittman from Punisher Waterfowl on tonight. We just wanted to actually, um, we wanted to talk about waterfowling. It's going to be coming up. So it's a pleasure to have Damian on. Hi, Damian. Hey, how are you guys? Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Two guys. It, it is exciting. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about you yourself? Uh, how you got into waterfowling and, you know, what you do. And then we'll also talk about Punisher Waterfowl, how you founded that as well. Okay. Um, Wow. Uh, So me, uh, originally from a small town on the west coast of Newfoundland. Um, That's where, you know, I'm guessing like most of your listeners at at a young age, your friends, that that was the thing that you done. You you got guns and you went out and you went, you went hunting and and it was, it was a social activity more than anything. Right. Um, So um, before, way before I was allowed, legally allowed to carry guns, I was, you know, hunting birds and, and puddle jumping birds and stuff, you know, and, and, you know, I really done that growing up in Newfoundland and then um, joined the army uh and and moved away and got away from it um got away from from having guns and and waterfowl hunting and stuff and traveled around canada and posted around and stuff uh i came back from afghanistan in 2007 and um i got posted to new brunswick at the time leaving ontario going into new brunswick and um a good friend of mine i just have to say What's it's, that? God's it's God's yeah. country. Yeah, it is. It, it's awesome. I loved it down there. We loved it there. Uh, but a, a good buddy of mine was was in the hunting birds, and and he sort of got me back into it again. And and of course, um, it it was weird, you know, in Newfoundland. Um, nobody had decoys. Nobody had calls. Nobody wore camo. It was, you know, just puddle jump and and try and shoot some birds. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, strategy puck behind bird hunting. It was more, uh, more fluke. And then, you know, I, I get to New Brunswick and, and start learning the ropes. And of course, then comes the decoys and the calls and, and all the gear. Right. So, yeah. um, so yeah, banged around New Brunswick for a while, shooting birds, uh, then got posted back to, uh, Petawawa, Ontario. And what I found, and this is how Punisher Waterfowl came to be is that my buddy and I, he had got posted in from Alberta, um, Mm -hmm. another bird hunter. And uh, what we found is that we couldn't get any permission on any property around Petawawa because, well, nobody knew us. And we were a couple, and we were a couple, a couple of army D 
stinks, right? And that's what, and that's what the, and that's what the community looked at us as because there were so many army people that had come in in the past and and had screwed up a farmer's field or left the mess or you know did something that really upset the landowner right so when when myself and my buddy cal come knocking on the door well they didn't they didn't know who we were they didn't know us from adam and and so we had uh, we had no permission so one night i i'm sitting around and i'm trying to figure out you know how in the hell am i going to get to hunt some birds and i said I know what I'm going to make a fake Facebook page. <laughs> okay. And yeah. And I'm going to name it Punisher waterfowl. And I'm going to pretend to be someone important in the oh, waterfowl. Yeah. <laughs> n- n- not even close, but so that's what I done. I, I, uh, I, I went to my wife and I said, Hey, I need 150 bucks to get a logo made. And she was like, she's, you, you got to meet my wife first off because she shakes her head every time I ask her for money. Um, so she said, yeah, whatever, go. Yeah, okay, go. So so I get to take the 150 bucks. I, I get a logo made and I yeah. call it Punisher Waterfowl and I start a Facebook page. And next thing you know, people start, guides start messaging me. Hey, why don't you come out for a hunt with us? And, and put us up on your social media and stuff like yeah. this. So, which was great. The plan worked. I, I'm now getting out and I'm hunting. But then those guides and those people started. So what is Punisher Waterfowl? Yeah, oh, what is it? oh shit. Um, <laughs> I, 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 don't ha- I don't have anything. This is all a big <laughs> ruse, right? So what do I do? So I got to, I start making some, some hats and some t-shirts and some merchandise do that. Then I get into uh, with a company out of the States called banded who were yeah. up and coming up and yep. coming uh, Chad building. And, and those guys, um, I get in with those guys and I start selling their gear, um, which you can understand is extremely hard to try and compete with Cabela's and, and all the big yeah. box stores. Right. So, so that was, that was short lived, but a, a, an amazing relationship with that company. They were, they were awesome. And, and then I said, well, you know what, maybe I'll make my own gear. So I reached out to a veteran owned business and they were making, they could make, decoy bags and and all this stuff so i started you know going that way but again um in canada i'm uh not doing a whole ton of bulk sales so um it was hard to it was hard to turn a profit i was making a quality quality product um but it was hard to be competitive and and make money right so when you can get get the stuff over at cabela's yeah and uh and 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 just as good in quality right because if you were willing to pay the extra they had the you know the generic stuff like no (laughs) thanks um so uh and that's where sort of kind of gets to today so i took a partner on um Mm -hmm. About two years ago, Dave Palmer, he came on, joined me, uh, and really just a, a fresh new set of ideas and someone to look at things a little bit differently, right? Because obviously, I, I have the blinders on and the way I want to look and, and want the company to grow. And, and it wasn't. It wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. So Dave joined in, and and then, you know, one day I said to him, I said, you know what? I think I'd like to do a podcast. And he was like, yeah, I think you should do a podcast. And I was like, okay. Yeah, so you're here. 
and, and this is where data. no there, there's not and and in canada even more Definitely. so even less yeah. in canada right so so that sort of kind of brings us to where we are today and and the podcast and now i'm you know i i'm trying to do i'm trying to do my best to, to spread and to try and educate people not so much on how to waterfowl, but how to be a decent human being to other people, because that is what I see the most in in the hunting world right now is that it's just nothing but bullies. And if you don't know the answers to a specific question, well, then, you know, I should, I should treat you like a, like you're a dummy because you don't know. And, and we're seeing it a lot and we're, and we're being our own worst enemies. So I use the platform and I'm a big proponent of surrounding myself with, with great people. Um, so on my podcast, I've got some really smart, educated, um, great hunters. Um, and they all got their own little piece that they bring to the show. And, and my part is I just, you know, I, I try to say it how it is. and and So one of the things that you actually said right at the beginning is that you were knocking on doors and they didn't know you from anybody, but you yeah. did. You're saying you're trying to educate people. And that's one of the things that we should be doing. If we're going to go and actually hunt on somebody's land, knock on the door. It's a great thing to do. Yeah. Um, but just overall, so you're a podcast. I know that you YouTube as well. You do live videos. Uh, I watch some of them. You, yeah. uh, you have branding, great branding, by the way. And you know what? You guys are, are getting some content out there here in Canada. And I know that the U.S. is actually, there's people in the U.S. looking in and that as well. So it's, it's great. So the reason why we yeah, wanted thanks. you on tonight is we did want to talk about waterfowling because I went out for my mm-hmm. first time last year, but I didn't have a dog and didn't. Uh, I had Kelly's husband go and retrieve the ducks for me. So that's actually, that was awesome. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, that's even, that's even better. <laughs> Anyways, so, but, uh, so I have very little experience and I know that Adrian and I talked about it and we said, it's one of the things that's missing in the show. And as you said, in Canada as well. So let's get you on and let's talk about this. So let's get into waterfowling. What exactly is waterfowling? Like, well, like it, 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 yeah. So, so really it's, it's just that hunt of, of, you know, geese. Um, uh, I can't, you probably can't see it behind me, but you know, the, we have, I can try and turn it, but there, there's the, you know, the list of all the, the waterfowl that's in North America. Uh, actually Delta Delta waterfowl just announced yesterday. There's a new species that's being added um, as of yesterday called the Mexican duck. Um, so that one just, that just, they just made that announcement. Yes. Yeah. Make it into tacos. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Well, so, so for years it's been, it's been, um, described as a, as a hybrid of the mallard, but now through genetics and, and obviously when I read the article, someone's put a lot of money and time into figuring out about this duck, but it is its own species. It's not a, it's not necessarily just a hybrid of the mallard, but uh, so anyways, so um, it's, it's no different than the big game hunters and and chasing moose and elk and and bear. It's just, we're chasing ducks, geese, um, crane, um, in the States, there, there's some places where they hunt, uh, swan. We, we don't in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. we don't have that. We don't have that, uh, 
that limit. But in the states, there's a couple states that that they do allow it. So so really, yeah, the waterfowling it, it's chasing chasing those those ducks and geese that you see around. Yeah, and it's not as easy as uh, it's not as easy as that you'd think it is. I went well, the first time and I went, wow, this is not easy. Well, it, it's it's not easy, but I I think it it comes down to managing expectations too, right? So uh, the problem with with the internet and YouTube and and TikTok and all these is that people only show the the shots when they're when they're hitting a bird or when a bird's falling out of the sky, right? They don't show the other four hours of missing or missing the birds or no birds coming in all you see is the exciting part right so so for a new waterfowl hunter or any hunter in that matter um when you're watching videos and and they've got a a high tempo music playing and you're getting you excited and getting the adrenaline running and all you're seeing is birds fold and fall into the sky uh fall out of the sky then you know and then you go set up and you go out and it's in November and it's cold and rain is coming in sideways and you don't see any. And Nothing like, shows up. Yeah, this, <laughs> this sucks. This isn't fun at all. That was my first experience and nothing showed up and it was raining. Second experience I got, I was able to get a few, so which was great. But well, we, we joke about it all the time. Like your first experience is, is probably the most true to what a waterfowl experience is. Nothing. Yeah, which like is fishing. Nothing. It's like fishing. <laughs> you, you go fishing and, and sometimes like there's nothing. You, you're you're yeah. just getting started. You go to some lake and and you don't catch anything. But you get yeah. you get to to know where the good spots are and you get to, you know, improve your, your technique and, and you, you start getting uh, yeah, more reliable results. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Any day out and hunting and even going for an armed walk is great. So it is what it is. Yeah. And, and I think that's the important thing is, is, is that people need to understand it's any day out. So especially in this crazy world that we're living in right now, any day that you could be out in, in nature and, and taken in and, and you don't even need to look at it as though, um, I I enjoy the sound of the birds or the the frogs and stuff. It, it the, the vitamin D alone is is healthy enough for you. Just to be out and have have some fresh air is all you need, right? So, and and I think that's what we're seeing more and more now, is, especially in the hunting world, is we're seeing more and more of those. Um, I would call them those late teens to early twenty somethings. That it's something that they're missing in their life now is, is they need to get out. They need to have a purpose to be out. And, and what we're seeing and what we're hearing right now in the waterfowling world is that there's been a big dynamic shift in, in these people that, you know, typically didn't grow up in a hunting family or, or, or even been around guns or educated in guns whatsoever. But now the, the enticing part is that they know where their food is coming from. And that's why they're out hunting is because they know what they're eating and at, which is, which is amazing for the, the sport and, and everything, right? Because now that's an entirely different group of people that's, that's starting to learn. And, and with the COVID pandemic, actually, we've seen an upsurge in hunting licenses as well. You can get them online and then they're going out and they're, they're sourcing their own food as well. So that's, yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. So why don't you tell us about what people will, Okay, so we talked about what to expect, um, mm-hmm. getting wet and hearing frogs. Uh, but what are what can? Okay, so what's gonna what's somebody going to need to go for the first for their first time? So well, what's somebody- I, so my very first when I take somebody out for their very first hunt, the first thing I make sure is that they're going to be warm, and mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if you're miserable, cold, wet. You're, you're never going to come back again because it just sucks, right? So yep. so I I would say to anybody, the first thing before you buy anything, make sure you have some quality gear. And, and there's a lot of quality gear out there right now. Um, so, you know, um, we use First Light, um, but but there's a number of other companies out there that that's creating and, and the technology with clothing is just gone crazy it's over the last... Yeah. So I would say, I would say the, uh, the clothing and then, and you guys know this even more so than what we do. Um, and that is finding a gun that fits you, which, which was such like when I started hunting, like that wasn't a term that was used to me. I took my, my grandfather's old single shot Cooey and, and went out and, and if I miss, you know, there was no fitting a gun to the person you guys know it and your listeners know it all too well. But what we find is that there's a, there's a lot of people, Hey, what kind of gun do you think I should buy? Listen, the only way to know is to go into a gun store and, and talk to the owner and, and, you know, shoulder it and see how it feels. And right. So that would be, and you know, calls and decoys and all that stuff. Listen, don't, don't go out and, and, you know, bust your bank account on decoys and and calls and stuff like that. Take your time. Okay. So you said that you take people out. So if I was going out for the first time, there's no way in hell that I would know what to bring. What, so you do you, so you can typically do that. You can typically find somebody in your area that'll take you out that has the decoys, the calls and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what I find, especially here in Ontario, and actually I shouldn't say just here in Ontario, cause I know it happens out West too, um, is, is all of these Facebook groups. Now these, these hunting Facebook groups, we have seen a ton of new hunters come on these Facebook groups and ask for advice and say, hey, yeah. listen, new to the sport this year, um, this is where I am. Uh, anybody got any advice? And and it's an open-ended question. And what we tend to see is that there's always a couple of people that will be like, hey, listen, you're in my area. Why don't why don't you come out with me? Um, I've got every all you need to do is just bring your thermos of coffee and and your gun and ammo and uh and come out with me and I'll I'll we can hang out and and probably foster a long-term relationship at, at the end of it. Right. And which is, which is the ultimate goal. Um, but yeah, there's always somebody, I think there's always somebody around that, that you can piggyback off and, and learn. But if you are in that unique situation where you're in an area all by yourself uh, and, and you have no help and, and you're, and you have to do it on your own, have some warm kit, have a gun that fits you, you know, have some, have some ammo and, and then it's, you're, you're going to do trial by error because that's the only way you're ever going to learn this sport is, yeah. is by trying something, failing at it, 
And then because even though we we know that the brain on, on the duck is the size of a pea, they'll outsmart us every time, every okay. time. Okay. So one of the things I learned was this. Um, you can be dressed in head to toe, toe from camo, yeah. but you still need to actually cover your face because they can act. Those little buggers are smart. So they you can are. see that. Um, but they also, they're keen to movement and everything as well. So, um, why don't we talk about, we'll come back to equipment, but what, where should you actually be in relation to, should you be in a duck blind? Should you actually have something set up? What can you do to actually keep them from seeing you as they come in? Yeah. So, so you can have, like you said, you can be totally dressed up in all the camel that you want, but if your boat, so if you're doing it from a boat, you can have all the camel that, but if your boat isn't hidden, then the ducks are going to see you, you need to, you need to um, totally incorporate into the, into the environment, right? So your boat. So, you know, before I go, I, I have a couple landowners that have cattails uh, on their property and, the night before I go, I go up to their place and I cut, you know, enough cattails that when I get out to where I'm going to hunt, I can cover my entire boat in, in cattails. And, and I look like a big bush of cattails. And that's what you need to do. Be it from a, a lay down blind that, that you're in the field. Yeah. Um, if you're in a cornfield, you've got to try and, and make your layout blind look as close to that swath of, of cut corn as, as, as you possibly can. Plus you've got to try and eliminate the shadows as the sun comes up because the, the geese, they'll notice those shadows and they're like, well, something's not right here. This, this isn't, this isn't right. That the, there's, this doesn't look kosher. So we're not going to go in there. So you, you really, they, they are for a little bee brain. Yeah, and and they're products of their environment, right? Like yeah. they they survive by noticing what looks at a place, and and if you look at a place, well, then they're not going to come in. And so you bring up the point about your face. Like I I see people that you know put the the face paint on and stuff like that, and that's great if that's what you want to do. I've done twenty years in the army, and having to put that stuff on my face, I absolutely refuse to do it anymore. <laughs> um, so, but I use, you know, I, if I don't use that, that turkey mask that I've got, I, you know, I'm, I'm like this for most of the point. My head is, my face is down and I'm sort of trying to edit a corner of my eye. One of the biggest mistakes, and, and I do it, my buddies uh, make fun of me all the time because I just get excited, especially at the beginning of the year, but birds are coming and I'm, I'm like this. I'm, I'm in the blind and I, I'm watching and here's this bright white shiny face just sticking up and moving all over the place, you know, and, and, it, and it flares birds. So yeah. y- you really do. You've, you've got to, of all of the time and effort you, you spend in your gear, your gun, your ammo, um, your boat, getting out to, to chase the birds, mm-hmm. that is all for nothing if you spend no time trying to hide yourself because if you don't hide yourself, all that gears, yeah. that gear is just going to sit there and, and you're not going to get any birds. The boats, blinds, anything like that. It's you have to incorporate yourself into the situation, whatever it's. Yeah. 100%. Whatever, 
Yeah. So um, there is no, and you can get all kinds of different things. You can build your own blind. You can actually yeah. go to Cabela's. We're not sponsored by Cabela's, but we're talking about them a lot tonight yeah. and buy cheap ones and the lay down and all kinds of things like that. But if, so let's, let's say we've got ourselves covered and our, we're dressed completely and we're watertight too. We're going to be in layers and we're going to be warm. So what type of, so you said the firearm has to be fitted to, but what types of calibers are best to do waterfowling? What types of chokes, different things like that? Yeah, so um, so so traditionally, you you always see that twelve gauge shotgun, right? That that seems to be the tradition that everybody's. But what we're seeing, especially here in Canada, is that we are seeing a very very popular. Uh, the 20 gauge. So, and I, and I think what happened is that a group of women started hunting and, and because of uh, the less recoil of the 20 gauge, they started shooting the 20 gauge. Well, then I think their boyfriends, their husbands tried it and then noticed, Whoa, my follow-up shot is so much better. Yeah. Uh, Oh, my screen just went all wonky, so I don't know what's going on there. I'm sorry. Um, so, so, um, so then the men borrowed their their wives or their girlfriends' shotgun, and then they're like, "Whoa, my my shooting is is way better. My follow up shot is way better. The the payload and and the stopping power of the twenty gauge is still just as good as what the twelve gauge is. Um, and and you're able to you know get that." get that other shots so so traditionally i i'm still shooting the 20 gauge i, I will shift down to the or sorry i'm still shooting the 12 gauge i will drop down to a 20 um maybe next year um when i'm in line for a new gun uh but yeah and and it could be you know a single shot which is what i started off with and then i graduated to a pump and now i'm i'm with a with a semi and and I use a gas operated gun as opposed to an, an inertia driven gun. But, um, you know, it, it, it'll come down to what your budget is. Yeah. Because, so let's, so yeah, if somebody for. didn't have a budget, let's say they actually, so a beginner basically, because yeah. let's say, uh, as I said, people are, are asking about this stuff and that yeah. means they're pretty much beginners. So yeah, uh, out of the three of them. So obviously single you can't have an actual follow-up shot but yeah single you've got um pump and you have a semi which would you so what should a beginner basically buy so i you know what there's nothing wrong with a beginner going out and buying a a semi-automatic because it's like anything kelly and and you guys know it as well you need to get comfortable with yep. the firearm, right? So the first time you fire, you you shoot that firearm shouldn't be in the duck blind, right? You should have you should have taken that and and went, you know, out on a range or or in the back forty somewhere and practice with it and 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 know the safety where does how the safety works, all of that good stuff, right? So there's nothing wrong with with going and you can get a quality uh, semi-automatic shotgun for you know for 12, 1400 bucks, a, a quality gun too, you know, and that's not, that's not crazy. Now, if you can't afford it, then, then drop down to a pump action, which is a little bit cheaper and still um, for a beginner, it, it's great. But at some point in, in your career as a waterfowler, you will want to 
to upgrade up to that semi because it just gives you a little bit quicker cycling time and, and able to drop those shots, right? Yeah, you mentioned that you use a gas-operated semi. Yeah. Um, wh- why did you go for a gas instead of inertia? Speed? Do, do you know what? So, so I'm a creature of comfort, and um, so I, I've always I've always used gas-operated guns in the army, and, and I'm not afraid of a gas-operated gun, right? So I know I know how they work. I know that you need to clean them, but you don't need to clean them as much as what everybody says you do. Uh, you know what I mean? So, so I was happy, you know when people said to me, oh, you're crazy buying a gas operated gun, it's going to freeze up on you and stuff. And I'm like, I I've been using a gas operated gun for 20 years. I've never had one freeze up on me. So I don't know what you're doing with your gun, but I know mine, I look after them. And so, and the price was right Uh because ultimately I I'm, I still have a budget on anything that I buy and, and the price was right for the, for the gas operated gun. And, and it was, you know, a quality gun um, that I could afford and, and I was happy with it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. So let's a little bit less, a uh, little bit less recoil too. Right. Cause they're tapping a little bit of that gas off to, to run yeah. the action. Yeah. 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 So calling birds in. Cool. Dog yeah. calls. Yeah. You know what? That is an absolute art and <laughs> it, it is an absolute art and I'm not great at it. I'm still learning um, how to use a, a goose call um, and a, a, just a little plug in here for, for my own YouTube channel is that is that we're working with probably probably the best goose call maker in Canada right now is his name is Rusty Heron down in South, Southwestern Ontario. And he makes probably the best call in Canada right now. So we're doing a 10 part series on how to learn to use a, a, a short read goose call. So I'm, I'm learning along with, with the listeners of, of the Punisher waterfowl channel. Right. So, um, but it is, it's an art because you got to know when to call, when not to call, and you've got to be able to judge the birds. And, and again, this comes from experience, right? Like you're not going to walk out into the, into your blind the first day and, and you could sit behind the computer and, and you can be a great caller. But when you get out in the field and you see the way that the word, the, the birds are working, you, yeah. you can be a great caller all you want, but if the birds aren't responding to calls that day, well, just just put your calls away because there are days like that when they just won't respond or they'll come and land in into your spread of decoys and you have no idea they were even coming because they're making zero sound to just mm-hmm. come in, they drop. And so, you know, calls, I, I'm a big fan of less is more. Um and and people you know can debate that with me all they want and and that's the beauty about about this is that that there's no there's no magic no magic wand that'll fix everything right everybody's got their own way of doing things and and their own way of things that work for them right so when it comes to you know you you can have your your duck call you can have a single read a double read um there's a triple read out there um and and that's really just you know, changing the sound. And, and again, people will say, you know, what should I get for, for a duck call or what should I buy for a goose call? There's only yeah. one way you, you've got, to, you've got to try them. Okay. So Kelly Kincaid's actually just asked, is there a one that's better for women? Um, What's that a call? Yeah. So a goose call. 
Might be. Co- uh, you know, I I'm I'm a big big fan of 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 the kiss rule and and have you do you know the kiss rule keep it simple stupid stupid yeah yeah so i i'm a big fan of that right and and you know a short read goose call um that that requires not a ton of of air pressure i think that's the way to go and and that is and that works for men and women and i don't want to say that it's strictly the women because listen there's women that can that can you know bring in a pile of air into their diaphragm and and can you know blow out that air better than some men right so the sex really doesn't matter her comment is she's scaring them all away so maybe she. Oh, that's because Kelly. That's just because Kelly can't call. That's all that is. But. <laughs> all right, there you go, Kelly. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> no, but but seriously, like, and and you know what? Like Kelly is, if she's doing it, maybe she's. This is where um, being able to read the birds. Maybe mm-hmm. Kelly's a great caller, but as the birds are coming in, maybe. Kelly is is honking when she should be clucking, and and that is, and that's such a weird statement to make. And and when I see as soon as I say oh, that, you start, okay. yeah, you, you know what I mean. But as you're reading these birds, and if you're out, if you if you're watching a goose, and and you're watching, you know, three or four geese come land, you'll hear you'll hear the the difference in in their sounds, and and if you're being very aggressive. Yeah. on your call and being very loud and aggressive on your call, but they're just, you know, from a mile out, you've seen them coasting and you know, they're coming in. Well, you don't yeah. need to be aggressive. They're, they're coming. Just, just put your call down and enjoy the show. Watch them, watch them do their work and, and see them do what the, what they had planned to do a mile ago. Okay. What about decoys? You did talk about a little bit from, you know, you, you have the bags and you bring them all out. So what yeah. do you need for decoys? Like how many do you need? Uh, where should you, you be spacing them? Like, yeah. So it's decoys like, well, yeah, I, I, I think that you should use decoys. I never put out more than say three dozen decoys, like duck decoys. Now, if you're getting into goose hunting, obviously it, it's big spreads and, and especially like if you're a West, um, like you need massive spreads out there just because the, the volume of birds out there is just so much more than what they are in this part of Canada. Right. Um, yeah. so you need to have mass, like thousands, out, right. Especially if you're chasing snow geese and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, here, if, if I'm a big fan of puddle ducks, which is, you know, your mallards and, and your teals and, and, and stuff like that. Those are the ones that that I chase the most, as opposed to say divers that's out in you know the big water like Lake Ontario, Lake Erie, and and those places. Um, but yeah, you just I don't know. Like there, there's a whole. How can I say this? You can only when it, when it comes to introducing something new to a sport. So so let's you know like guns. I know you guys know, but so let's say. When when the plastic decoy came out, and and it was oh my goodness, this is amazing! Look look how light it is, and it, it and the painting on it it looks awesome. And you can only improve the paint and the plastic so much. So now people are saying, well, now we're gonna 
they call it flocking the head. So the head actually looks like there's it's feathers and hair and, and stuff. I I don't believe in, in spending that kind of money on, on that, on decoys that you, like I'm hurt on my equipment. I, my equipment gets thrown around. It, it, it is abused. It's abused for four months out of the year. Um, so I don't spend crazy amounts of money on, on my decoys. I, I, you know, I'm still using decoys I've been using for the past seven, eight years. Um, and I still shoot birds over them. So, um, you, you can go out, you certainly go out and spend some serious, serious money in decoys. Um, but I would, my best advice is, is know where you're hunting. And, and if you're in a, in an area that doesn't have a huge ton of birds, well, why would you go out and spend thousand dollars on, on decoys? You know, like this is the thing. And, it, and it's like everything. It's like shooting sports. It's like hunting big game. It listen, know your geographical area, know what you're working with. And, and then that will, that will dictate how much money you spend and, and what kind of gear, like there's no need of going out and buying foam filled divers. If you're never going to be, on Lake Ontario, if you're just going to be in, in small little lakes in, in Ontario, well then buy some puddle ducks. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. What okay. about, um, what about dogs? Do you have oh, now, dogs, some dogs? What are the advantages uh, of dog? So, you know what? I, I hunted for a long time without a dog. Um, and I've hunted over, uh, I've hunted a ton with people with dogs. So two years ago, I bought my dog. I bought it off uh, a really good friend of mine um, just here, just north of Kingston. And as much as I love shooting birds, it's a close second now to me just being out and having my dog with me. And letting somebody else shoot as I work the dog and I make my dog is still young. So she's still not able to do it all on her own. Um, mm-hmm. So um, for the first week, two of the season, my I don't even take my gun with me. It's just me and the dog. And I, I just work the dog and make sure that the dog is being safe and doing what it's supposed to do. But it, it is a definite game changer um, to have that to have that pop and, and for that dog to be able to do the work for you, because as much as you think you're doing the work, you're not, your dog is the one that's doing the work. You're just pointing a gun at a bird and dropping it. The dog is the one that's got to swim out in that frigid cold water and do the work. So it it is a game changer. And even if you don't want to own a gun or own a gun, sorry. uh, Even if you don't want to own a dog or, or you don't have that ability to own a dog and to train, go out with someone with a properly trained gun dog because it is, it's a totally different appreciation. Um, and you know what, and, and we're seeing it, we're seeing more and more dog trainers, um, coming out now. Um, you know, I was just today, I was, uh, uh, outside of Belleville doing some dog training with some field trial guys. So some very, very educated, smart people with, with regards to dog training and, and I brought my dog and, and I think they spent more time trying to train me as opposed to training the dog because I was making, I was making all kinds of mistakes. Like my dog, she didn't do a couple of things properly. And I'm like, man, why, I wonder why she did that. And they said, well, it's, it's your fault. 
well, what do you mean it's my fault? Because you didn't do this and you didn't do this. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, I've, I've got a super, super smart dog with a, with a huge drive to, to want to retrieve and, and to please me. But 90% of the time when she screws up, it's because I never set her up for success. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what it's like in life. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You said it was basically your mistake. Let's talk about rookie mistakes. What are some of the rookie mistakes that you've seen people do or you've actually made? So what's some of the biggest mistakes with waterfalling? So first off, especially in today's age, is, is trying trying to be something that you're not. And, and the reason why I say this is because of social media and this instant gratification of being popular or making that, you know, we see it a lot of people saying, yeah, shot this, look at this beauty duck, shot it at 80 yards. Uh, listen, that's that's a fair poke with a 12-gauge shotgun, 80 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, like your chances of wounding that duck and it going off and dying and you never, ever retrieving it are so I think that there's a maturation there. there there's a there's an evolution of uh, so Rob Foote, uh, who's a good friend of yours, Kelly. Um, Rob Foote actually talked to me about this, and and he calls it the evolution of of the waterfowler, and and it it is very much, um, you know, the grassroots as a as a teenager, uh, first when you're getting into it, it's just the love of the sport and being able to get out there and, and you're with your buddies and and you're just having fun. And then comes, well, I need all this gear. I got to go buy all this gear. And, and, and the only way I'm going to be successful is by spending all this money and having all this top notch stuff. And then, you know, you shift then to, well, now I'm an expert. I'm an expert. And, and, you know, um, they just start reaching out to companies. Well, now I should be a, a promotional staff for you. And, and now it's all, what, what can you give me because I'm so awesome of a, of a hunter. Um, so you should give me free stuff. I'll promote your brand. And then it graduates to where, you know, gentlemen like Rob foot, myself, my buddies that I hunt with now it's, it's come back full circle to the very first. It's just, about being out with your buddies and having yep. fun. So, yeah. so rookie mistakes that I made was, you know, not asking the landowner for permission before you went out onto his property. That, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that you'll ever make because, you know, I seen a, I seen a thing on Facebook the other day. It showed a, a farmer with 10, it showed the pallet of, of seed and it was $10,000 worth of seed on a pallet. And, and it wasn't a lot of seed. And, and so the, the title was that this farmer had just had to drop $10,000 in seed because ATVs had ruined his field, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is, this is a livelihood of someone. We're, you know, as, as hunters, and, and despite what everybody thinks, and they say, well, it's our right to, to gather food and, and, and all this stuff. Yeah, I get it. I, I understand where you're, where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, you're trespassing on somebody else's livelihood and, and you're possibly going to ruin it. Or you don't know what that landowner is doing on his property. You don't know where he's at 
any given time, right? So that I would say the biggest mistake, and, and listen, I was a 17-year-old kid as well and and thought I was bulletproof and, and could do what I wanted and, and no one could really say anything to me, right? So I, I made all those mistakes and and there is, there's a maturation in, out there for, for hunters and, and stuff that, that we really need to, we need to try and speed up this maturation. And I think it shows like this uh, and the education and, and people actually saying, listen, you, you can't do that. You're being a bonehead for doing stuff like that. And, and that will make people rethink their, their choices. And I think that's the beauty about these, these shows right now. It, it, the social media is, is, uh, is weird, eh? Because you get some people that just want that instant gratification. I'm famous. Um, my picture now is, has been seen by 10,000 people and, and I've got all these followers. Yeah, that's great. But you pissed off the, the landowner. Um, you, you shot, you, sh- you know, you shot two birds over your limit, um, to get that picture, you know? So, yeah the, yeah. the rookie mistakes yeah. and and just trying i i guess to get back trying to be something that you're not because don't pretend to be there's very few people that can make a career out of, out of being a hunter and being a sports shooter or anything mm-hmm. like that and and those people you know you see them today and they're rich and they're famous but you didn't see the the 20 to 30 years that they plugged away um, you know, so th- there's a way to go about it and, it and it comes through hard work. Nothing comes overnight and expecting overnight success. I, I think that's a, a huge rookie mistake. One of my thoughts on rookie mistakes is um, thinking that it's going to be easy and thinking that you're going to actually walk away with 30 ducks. But also we talked about that at the beginning, but um, it's not really a rookie mistake. Maybe it's a pro tip. Go find somebody who actually is willing to share. Like, for example, you, uh, I was blessed to actually have two people that took me out for my first time. And I wanted to say thank you. I should give them a shout out in the shout outs. Anyways, uh, but find somebody like Bob Floyd or yeah. Damian Pittman and go and find somebody who can actually give you um, those pro tips, like go and knock on a door. And actually, if you do get a bird, go and drop one off to the the guy that is has landed us um but yeah just be humble and and uh you know and try it out have fun with it and accept the fact that you may get wet and it might be cold and you might not get nothing but at least you're outside and you're having some fun right yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head when you said be humble because uh, yeah. i i honestly think that that is the key right there be humble um yeah. and you know you'd be surprised on on how far that'll get you in life yeah. Yeah. So I have uh Adriel, do you got any other questions for Damien? No, I think it's been a it's been a really good conversation. I mean, yeah, uh I think like some hunting is is kind of tough to get into and, and taking someone that you that you know is is really good. I think the tips around like doing those small puddles is is good because it's it's easy enough to get some teals or or whatever over some small puddles compared to uh doing geese in a, in a field where yeah. you need like a ton of camo and a ton of decoys and that kind of thing That's yeah. and uh yeah no it's, it's been a really good conversation well damon do you want to plug punisher waterfowl where can we get in contact with you where can people get a hold of you where can they see you you know by that yeah well, well you can follow follow us on on instagram on instagram facebook's our two social media channels that were you know that we spend the majority of our time um 
Podbean, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, all our podcasts are all, all up on that. Um, you can listen, search Punisher Waterfowl. Um, you'll find us um, and, and, and reach out to us because just like this here, Kelly and Adriel, like reach out and ask the questions because that's ultimately what we're here for. And, and I promise you, nobody within Punisher Waterfowl is going to say, oh, you bonehead, why are you asking that question? Because I can guarantee one of us have had the same question, right? Yeah. So so we are a, we are a very, very humble bunch of, of, of people. So um, so that's where you can find us. Um, our podcast called The Union 0430, um, it's it's out there. Um, I think it's it's probably, and, and of course I'm a little bit biased, I think it's the most down-to-earth, real yeah. podcast that's out there um there's n- nothing hidden we don't we don't pretend to be anybody we are exactly as advertised um just a bunch of friends that love one another's company and you know uh and and we're lucky you know we've had a a major company out of the states out of uh ohio called real geese they've jumped on now they love the show loved it so much that they that they now sponsor it um we've got a uh, another business out of the states that uh, we're working on that they want to become part of the show now. So, so it's growing. Uh, the brand is growing, and the audience is growing, and and that's that's the most important thing because now we're seeing we're seeing more of that younger generation um, that are that are new to it, that are starting to pick up on the lessons and and trying to be humble. And we're getting some of that older generation that that chimes in now to give their expertise on. Listen, this is this is this is how you talk to a landowner. This is this is the thank you you give the landowner at the end of the season. Do you know what I mean? So so we're getting a lot of those those seasoned veterans coming in now and and talking to us and saying, hey, listen, um, don't forget to do this. Check this. Make sure you got your you got everything that that's required by law, like double check. You have no idea how many times me and my buddies go out and we're walking to the car and someone will go, where's your duck stamp? And, and because we it's happened, we've went out and, and we've left the wallet in, in the drawer or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it takes a village to, to, to make it happen. Right. So, um, and that's and that's really what the brand is all about. It's really just a, a brand of a bunch of friends that that love one another company and and just you know just wants to hunt. And and I am. You can reach out to me either way. My name. You can search me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, the brand, and uh, reach out. And I will do whatever I can to help you. And and if you're not in this area. I do know a lot of people across this country and, and I could put you in contact with someone that's probably pretty close to you that could help you out um, on your first duck hunt. So awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Really no, thank you so much. This is my, this is my first interview. It's I'm excited. <laughs> Great. But Seriously, I went hunting last year, had such a great time, but uh, every time, okay, we're, I know I don't know if we're still doing the interview or not, but here's the story. So my thoughts on everything. It's just like when I go the skeet, shoot skeet. I want to hit everything, and I want to mm-hmm. just you know hit everything. And the ducks, I'm going the ducks would sit still. 
But it's a learning experience. And as I said, you have to be very humble. But walking very away nice. with two ducks on my, technically, it was my second, but there was ducks actually on the second yeah. one. But walking away with two ducks, I'm going, yeah! Well, you've done better than me. With a 28 gauge, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, nice. actually, I love shooting a 28 gauge. I shoot it skeet with it too, and it's it's the perfect gun for me. It fits me great, yeah. so that's why I took it. Yeah, I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Like, and and you've done better than I did on my second duck hunt because I think I was skunked for at least uh, the first half dozen. Uh, uh-huh. You know, you know. Uh, so so. It, you know, it's awesome. You get, you get out and, and, and you come home and, you know, you fry that. And that's what I do with my duck. I fry it up in a, in a frying pan and it's the best. Yeah, I had somebody smoke it and do like yeah. apple cherry butter on it. And it was oh, like. Oh, that's just, that's too fancy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, again, thanks yeah. for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. No, absolutely. Thank you so much. And, uh, and you know, reach out. And uh, if you ever want me back on again, I'd be more than happy to come on and chat with you guys again. We can can talk about all kinds of things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's do a dog specific show. I love dogs. So, So, yeah. And, and so I, my buddy that I bought my dog off is, is he's forgotten more than I'll ever know when it comes to dogs. Um, And he's just a local guy and, and would be a, a great source. Why don't we, yeah. Why don't we talk after the show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Amy. Adriel, very nice to meet you. Um, Thanks so much, Kelly. Um, Stay in touch. Yeah, we will. Okay. Ciao. Again, thanks, Damien, for coming on. Really enjoyed the interview. Actually, there was a lot of people talking back and forth as as Damien was uh, doing the interview. And it seemed people actually really enjoyed the interview as was going on, too. So we're going to have him back. I want to talk dogs. I can talk for hours about dogs. Like that, like dags. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into listener feedback. Listener feedback is sponsored by Army DC Gunsmith. Army DC Gunsmith is a full-service gunsmith. He specializes in firearms refinishing. He offers hot bluing, parkerizing, circuit finishes, as well as wood grain, steel finish, refinishing, 1022s. He's got some optics, more, everything. Go and say hi to him. Go over to Army DC Gunsmith. Uh, at dcgunsmith.ca you can also check them out on facebook as well as instagram all right do you want to read this one uh the email hey guys and kelly i want to buy a chris vector gen 2 and i want to hear your opinion of it uh would it be a good gun for maple seed and or three gun or should i consider something else if so what uh and also i'm sad to see trevor leave who's going to smash the go button now uh thanks for hosting the best candidate the best podcast in canada keep up the great work thanks from Ray. Hmm. Chris Vector, not the best for maple seed. No, no, it wouldn't no. be. No, because no. it's like uh, weird on the forehand and it'd be hard to like do that palm shelf and have like a lot of real estate for it. Yeah. And this is a short barrel too, so you'd be right up um literally over the line when you're firing. So it's not the best for that. And also with uh yeah, it's just well the the Canada legal ones have like real long like the non-restricted ones have real long barrels on them. So you'd you'd have some length there. They have like a fake comp on there. Yeah, but okay. I'm still thinking still of not the best. Sh- still not the best yeah. rifle for it. What about three gun? It'd be okay for a three gun. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. it'd be okay. Yeah, it'd be fine as a as a PCC for three gun. Um, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, it'd be okay. So he's saying, uh, our opinions should he get one. The answer is, if it's a gun and buying one, is the answer is always yes, right? Is that yeah, correct? you might want to, <laughs> you might want to to get one used. Uh, because then you won't you won't uh, lose any money off that uh, the drive it off the lot fee. That's true. Uh, so you might want to take a look and, and see if you can get one used, um, and then try to get extended length magazines because they're just handier to to use for yeah. three gun and that kind of thing. Uh, it's just like way easier, like with lo- like a, a big stick mags ramming that in rather than a little one that that you have to you have to go flush with or is just kind of short, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Try to think of other things on them. No, I mean, they'd be fine for three gun. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fine. Uh, okay. So that's it for emails. If you'd like to send an email to uh, Slamfire, just send it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Uh, and nothing from Instagram or any of the reviews either. So Patreon. Uh, no new Patreonies either. So if you'd like to actually help support the program, just go over to patreon.com at Slamfire Radio. And you know what? Go on over, send us a few dollars. We'll send you a few patches, different things like that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think we might have some content coming out soon. Yeah, uh, yes, we will have some content right away here that will be going out to our patrons. Do we want to tell them, or do we already tell? Do we want to tell them what's going on with that? Or sure, yeah, we're going to have our uh, our hosts to be uh, pop on for like a half hour and and do a main topic with them and see how yeah. it goes so we're going to be yeah. scheduling those i bet you some some of those people are listening right now so we're going to reach out to you to schedule starting next week to get those yes. in yeah we are love to talk to you come up so if you're listening come up with a really cool main topic or conversation it's up to you uh the other thing is remember i said remind me about dave so yeah. last week i posted the show and somebody said that Dave guy should be your new co-host. I'm going, he already is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've been he's watching, but he, he's on. He's, he's not on that often. But it's like, oh, he is good, isn't he? he you guys did a fantastic job last week. That was well a say. good show. It's interesting. It yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Got any shout outs for us? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. Um, to my IETs, like they kicked ass. They, you know, it's, it's been a long time since uh, <laughs> since we ran a maple seed. It feels like a long time, but uh, they rolled right into it, shook the rust off, and uh, and got after it. And it was uh, very easy to run both of those uh, both those events because we've just got really skilled uh, IETs. Even the yeah. uh, I had one guy who was new, and and even he did a, a fantastic job. So it was really. Uh, I, I always feel really well supported and I feel like, uh, you know, I, I couldn't do those events on my own and I'm glad that we've got such, such great uh, instructors out here that, uh, that can help me out and help, help run those things. Yeah. We got some great people in Saskatchewan as well. Ontario's. Oh my God. We got so many great ones and new ones as well. Uh, we're trying to pick up some steam out East. So if you actually do, uh, if we're actually able to get an event up and running, uh, if you score riflemen, try and help out there, and also in BC as well, we're looking for some some riflemen out there to to pick up the gauntlet and help out. Gotta get some Anyways. more in the in the southern Alberta area, but we need yeah. to like, we need to run maple seeds to do that. So yeah, <laughs> and to run the maple seeds, we need the 
restrictions to to lift and then then we can run the the stuff down there it's been a long year and i'm hoping that it'll get lifted when we can actually have fun at the range again with maple seed Mm -hmm. other thing Mm -hmm. free gun all that so i want to give a shout out i want to give a shout out to uh kelly and Kyle Kincaid, they were the two people that brought me out to, to my first uh, waterfowling experience, and it was so fantastic. And I also want to say thank you to Kyle for retrieving the ducks for me, <laughs> and then and then for Kyle for smoking the ducks with. Yeah, it was really good. So I'm very very blessed to have the Kincaids in my life. I must say. So. That's it. Um, and then also to the ladies that came over, or uh, we had the meeting with the meeting on Skype. Thanks for spending a couple hours with me yesterday and uh, and helping out with the calendar. So I just wanted to say thank you to them. That's it. All right, everybody, go check us out on Gunners Canada. Give us a like on Facebook. Uh, actually, send us a review on Facebook. You can do that now too. Uh, join the CCFR. Make sure that uh, you're donating to their legal fund. Send us a little snapshot of that, and we'll include you in the draw. And yeah, see us next week. And good night, Kelly. Good night, Kelly. <laughs> I love that, by the way. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.